I'd like to open it even further and say today should be uh, Women's Day. Uh, women are designed in such a way that is unique and beautiful and part of the creation. In fact, when God created Adam and Eve, he created Adam and said, this is good. When he was done creating Eve, he said, it is very good. And, and I don't say this in a way that, that is meant to... I, I hear this so much, and we should stop doing this. Uh, we men should stop talking about how complicated our women are because we're just as complicated. Right, women? Humans are complicated. But, but she, women, woman carries the image of God in a way that man doesn't. And, and so I bless you women, whether you're mothers or not. I bless you for being image bearers of God in such a beautiful way in our circle. Thank you. Thank you. As Tim prayed, it reminded me we are starting a series on Revelation. Oh, one other thing. We have uh, some very special people with us for the first time for a while. Matt and Jolene are here. Uh, it's good to have you here. Yeah, let's give them, I'm glad we're glad you're back. And their family, welcome back. We are starting a series, a nine-sermon series on Revelation. Now, before you tune us out, uh, we're not going to come up with grand and glorious charts that figure out when Jesus is going to return. It's not our call. By the way, and during this week of st- as I was studying, I was thinking about these ch- I looked up some of these charts that people have created, and I can't figure them out. And I, I found this comic that I thought was priceless. It's God saying to Jesus, once I figure out how to use these charts, I'll send you back to earth. They're so complicated and make so little sense that he can't even figure out what they are. Um, And I don't think that's the point of Revelation. Revelation is not meant for that. Um, Today, we're going to cover uh, chapter 1, so turn in your Bible to Revelation Notice I'm paying particular attention. It struck me again this week. It is singular. It is singular. It is the revelation of Jesus. It is not revelations. It is revelation. There is only one. I'm going to read, and I'm going to use uh, the Immerse Bible that some of us have been using, but you can easily follow along in your Bibles in your copies of the Scripture, to Revelation chapter, the first part of chapter 1. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ. Note that. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and He blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, the one who always was, and the one who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, 
He is the faithful witness to these things. The first derives from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He, he has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of the heaven and everyone will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping the Spirit. Suddenly, I heard from behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, Write in a book everything you see, and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. And he goes on and talks to the seven churches. When I read that again this week several times, I was struck by several major things in this passage. I saw some things in just reading the passage in different versions, listening to it read, that I'd never seen before here. And one of the primary ones is, you notice three times he says, I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. I am life. And he's saying, before you were, I was while you are, I am. And when you're no longer here on this earth, I will be. Now, Revelation. When we say these, uh, when we talk about this, we, we, there is, this is a strange book. It really is a strange book. It has dragons, beasts, creatures, prophets. It has war earthquakes, has cities on fire. It has horses, weird horses. Go ahead, David. Give me the weird horses. Horses with lion's heads. Oh, uh, this is the four horse. This one here. Look at those horses. Lion's heads. Flames shooting from their mouths. And the riders have red on and they're coming to destroy. There's even more. Give me the next one, David. 
This is, this is this thing that you have nightmares about. But it's also the thing of the Lord of the Rings and these movies that we've seen. This is the dragon with seven, ten heads who is going to devour the child of God. And, and we don't, it's, this is someone's representation of it, I understand. But the imagery in this book is powerful. It is vivid and it grabs us and it's strange and it's out of this world. Let's have the last one. There's the four horsemen that we've heard about through history. There's the one of death and famine and fear and, and all these things. And, and, and yet, overriding, thank you, uh, we'll put the imagery down now and let it play in your mind in its vividness. You've, uh, how many of you watched Lord of the Rings? The, the disturbing thing about Lord of the Rings is the imagery in it. And, and you dream about these kinds of things. They come and get you. They try to get you. But in a lot of ways, Tolkien had it right. This is about power. This is about the ring of power and who carries the ring of power and who holds the power in this world. So when we, if we want to understand Revelation, and part of my job this morning is to set some context for the next eight sermons. If we want to understand the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, we have to understand that these things are real. This is, and now there is vivid imagery here, and there is obviously imagery, but this is something happening in a cosmic sense that is much bigger than us. It's much bigger than our time. And if you sit down and try to figure out when these things happen, um, about 25 or 30 years ago, 25 years ago, Maybe or twenty years ago, there was a, we were living in Pennsylvania, and uh, one of the largest church that, churches there had some guy come in and talk about the European Union and how it is the culmination of the so many horns, you know, and all this stuff. And uh, and the, it was a packed house, fifteen hundred people there, and people there with charts and things, and they're trying to figure out. And this guy had this wonderful British accent, and he was an eloquent orator. But I walked away saying, um, I don't know. You know, the, the, the end time, have, people have talked about the end time and I've tried to figure out which one of these are what and, and you know, the seven horns and, and the, the ten heads and, and all these things. And, and maybe the call to us as the people of Jesus is not to try to figure out exact things because that we minimize what he's trying to say when we do that. It's not the European Union, by the way. It's not the Soviet Union. I heard another man talk about the... Um, the horse is breathing fire and, and belching, it says, sulfur. And, and uh, there is death in their tails. And he is so sure that it is tanks. You know, they belch sulfur from their diesel engines and they shoot death and destruction out. Well, I guess it could be. You know, I was in another place where the man, he preached an entire church service talking about how the Roman Catholic Church is the Antichrist. And I have an uncomfortable Catholic friend sitting uh, near me during that time, a uh, former Catholic friend, Steve Russell, who was a little uncomfortable, vocally uncomfortable with the sermon. You know, when we try to do that, when we try to figure out who the great prostitute is, who the great whore is, who the dragon is, okay, we lose sight of something. Now, it is a strange book. By the way, the word uh, revelation as... Uh, in Greek, is apocalyptic, apocalypse. And it, what's an apocalyptic event? It's this kind of earth-changing event. So this is about an apocalypse. But I think there are three big pieces to this 
uh, to Revelation that we need to understand what it's about. Um, Revelation reveals. Revelation reveals three things. It reveals a risen Jesus. All through the Old, the Old Testament, we've been looking forward to the Messiah coming to deliver his people. He comes in such a way that, that many people can't even recognize him. And he comes and he's killed. The Messiah is killed, but he does not stay dead. And Revelation is at first glance into the world of the risen Jesus. It is the first glance into the world of Jesus who has the power over what? He says it twice here. The power over life and death. I have conquered death. And so Revelation is a, is a, it, it lets us look into the cosmic battle in a powerful way. So this is, it is explaining the risen Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Yes, so read Revelation. It shows us what he's doing after he rose from the dead. It also shows a deep connection between heaven and earth. And in the modern world, we've lost this. We are rationalists and modernists. Everything, we try to figure out everything without realizing there is a cosmic world at battle for your soul and my soul. And they're fighting for us today. You know when Revelation is happening? Revelation has happened, is happening, and will happen. It is happening right now. The cosmic battle for your soul. Where are we at? I, I don't know. doesn't really matter. So, so it explains the risen Jesus, but we have to understand that there is a much greater battle than what we see on the surface. You know... Um, the modern battles, beginning with creation and evolution and, and abortion and those things, those are surface issues. They're only surface issues. They're the difference between life and death, bringing life and death. The bigger issue is Satan is intent on bringing death into the world, and Jesus is intent on bringing life into the world. And you know how Jesus brings life into the world? By, by filling us with his life, and we bring life into the world. Jesus entrusted us with life, and we are a part of this great cosmic battle. Somewhere in Revelation, when these armies are fighting, we're a part of it. Oh, and, and I, that gets my blood going. I want to get out. I, I want to fight. Boom. Let's, let's fight. So, so this is, and, and it, it is also about an, un, so explaining the risen Jesus and this kind of deep connection between the, the cosmic world, the, the world of the, the spiritual world. This is a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. You know how, you know the most powerful weapon we have in the world is love. We conquer the world by bringing more life into the world. We don't do it by force. The most powerful things, the most powerful thing that God gave his people, his army, his church, is life and love. That's how we conquer the world. We overcome evil with life and love. That's what Revelation is about. And Revelation, so it's explaining the risen Jesus. It's a deep connection between the spiritual and the material. And it is also about an unveiling of who really will win the battle in the end. Where power really lies. Do you know where power is? Do you know who is wearing the ring today? 
Jesus Christ. And you have to go back into the Old Testament, and, and this is worth a look. In Isaiah 11, which is, uh, I'm falling in love with Isaiah 11. It says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Who is he talking about? Who is, the, who is the shoot from the stump of Jesse? Come on. Who is it? It's Israel. It's Jesus. It says, he will wear righteousness like a belt around his waist. And then listen to this. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. It's such a beautiful picture of peace and strength. And innocence and kindness. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. Whew. I don't like snakes. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. But the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. That's so beautiful. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And, and we try to figure out when that's happening. And I'll tell you when it's happening. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. Jesus has called, when Jesus invaded the world with his physical presence as a baby, it was a beachhead, it's D-Day, into Satan's territory. And that is what Revelation shows us. It it's constantly takes us back to the lamb. To the lamb that was slain. It's so beautiful. Now, God is not bound by time. Here's where we fall off the wagon. We are so bound by time. You're wondering when this guy will ever quit because it's already eight minutes after 11. Eight minutes after 11 means something to you that doesn't happen in heaven. Now, the preacher will not preach forever in heaven. I used to not want to go to heaven when I was a kid because I was afraid to be an internal hymn sing. And I, don't like, uh, I didn't like hymn singings that well. Okay, so, so the, but the point is God isn't bound by time. So when you read Revelation, by the way, I'm asking you to do that this week. Read it. Read it for the next couple weeks. Just read through it and read it with this sense of some of these things have happened and will happen again. Some of them remain to happen. We don't, we can't figure it out. But what we know, look for the pieces. Look for the risen Jesus. Look for the great battle that's going on. And then look for how, who holds the power in the world. Who holds power? Who ultimately will win? Who has ultimately won? I want to zero in. You know, I think that probably some of the most damaging pieces that have ever been done to Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, is books and movies like Left Behind. Because... Uh, what it does is segregate people. And God is less... I love what Chris said a couple of weeks ago, a month and a half ago, Chris said something. Did you, did you kind of re remember a quote he said? That God is more interested... God is less... The, the whole bunker's in the backyard. Did you remember... Any of you remember that? God is less interested in having us strengthen our bunkers in our backyard in preparation uh, for the end times than he is in us expanding the table where we invite people into the kingdom. That's the point of Revelation. He's saying, this is an invitation for you to join the risen Jesus, the revealed Jesus, the one who holds all power, and take that 
into all the world. That whole left behind, that whole idea, all it does is, is segregate. It creates barriers. And it, might there be a time when there are no Christians on earth? Might be. I don't know. When will the rapture occur? I don't know. When is the tribulation? You'd have a hard time telling some of our Ukrainian friends right now that the tribulation isn't happening right now. So rather than trying to figure that out, think about who holds power here. And, and this, is, it, 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 this, this is highly relevant to the early church, to the church that John is writing it to, because they are under severe persecution. And Domitian is now the, the sixth Roman emperor since Jesus. Remember five? One has not been yet. Uh, seven rulers, one has not been yet in Revelation. And the, the seventh will be even more violent. But Domitian is now... And Domitian brings the Roman world back and says, I want you to address me as Lord and God of the universe. I want you to swear allegiance to me. I am the ultimate Caesar. Huh. And John says... You know what? Who holds power? Even if you die, I hold the keys of life and death. Even if you die, it's okay. But I want you to notice some practical instructions to us in chapter 1 when he says this. In uh, the call of the Son of Man, and again, um, it is in Catch my place here. Verse, let's, let's read verse 5 again and let's look carefully at verse 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. By the way, that is present tense. It means whenever there is a king on earth, Jesus is king of that king. To him who loves us, he loves us. Ha, isn't that beautiful? To him who loves us. It's all this, this kind of grand cosmic strength and power. And he says, but he loves us. He loves you. He loves you. He values us. He sees us as important in the story. What is the biggest gift that you can give your children? Unconditional love. Kindness. Value. Love brings value. And when Jesus loves us, it means that we are valuable. We're worthy of being loved. He would have died for just me. That's powerful. But, you know, we're, we're pretty stawed people. We don't like to feel it very much. Oh, and so we run from that. And then he becomes the hound of heaven, pursuing us with the footsteps of time. And someday, if you let him, you'll get captured by his love and you'll experience something you have never experienced before. It is so beautiful. Now note what else he says. He has loved us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Freed! You know how free people live? You know how free people live in the Roman Empire when the empire is putting all its pressure on them, they live like free people. You know how free people live in the United States with all the freedoms we have here? We live like free people. This, 
it says, the, the word means he, ha, he has disengaged us from the power of sin. When you disengage the gearing on a tractor or on a vehicle, it can no longer move. And so the power of sin is no longer the motivating factor in our lives. He's freed us from the power of sin. You don't have to sin. And when you sin, you have somebody who has already died for that sin, and all you have to do is confess it. But it doesn't stop there. He, he loves us, has freed us from sin, our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom. Priests to his God and Father, to him be glory, dominion forever. Now this is a particular made us to be priests. By the way, it is not only talking about men here. It's men and women. Made us to be royal priests. A royal priesthood. The word, you know what uh, the word made there in Greek means? Recreated. We were created for this originally. We marred it with our sinfulness. And suddenly we are back to where we are. He made us. And, and, and what do priests do? They speak. They, they stand between God and his people. So you stand between God and the people of the earth. And it's your call to be part of this royal priesthood. Now you cannot, you, cannot, um, you cannot be part of the royal priesthood without first experiencing his love and being freed from your sins. There's a progression here. Now, the invitation in Revelation is found at the end of the book. At the end of the book, when John is all done, he gives us this wonderful picture. I will read it to you. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and to eat the fruit from the tree of life. Whoa, 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 stop. Tree of life. Where was that? Where was the original tree of life? Come on. In the Garden of Eden. Whoa, whoa, stop. Eden. It's what we all are trying to build here. We use our money. We use our wealth. We use our power to try to build our Eden on earth. What God calls us to do is invest all those things, our gifts, our power, our money, into the kingdom of God to build the true Eden where the tree of life really is. Oh, tree, not tree of life, trees of life. Because we'll read on. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Come. Let anyone who hears this come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy written in this book. He goes on and talks about that. I want to back up and read a, a little bit before. Then the angel showed me the river with the water of life. Clearest crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. Picture with me the, tr the river of life flowing down the center of Main Street. It flowing right down the middle aisle. 
And it says, on each side of the river grew a tree of life. On each side of the river grew a tree of life. More than one. There are trees of life there. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. The healing of the nations. Think about it. Think about nations at war. Think about Russia and the Ukraine. In Mozambique, after the war, civil war there ended, they took their AK-47s and their bullets and melted them down and built a representation of the tree of life because they understood that ultimately only, the only healing that will ever come is through Jesus and the tree of life. The tree of life will be for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be a curse on anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there. And His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face. They will see His face. And His name shall be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, neither No need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign. We will reign forever and ever. And then he says, the Spirit says, come. Enter into this world, this world where you're safe, this world where you're loved, this world where your sins are forgiven, this world where you can have a royal calling to be part of the kingdom. Do you know when revelation is occur- will occur? It's already occurring. It's as we take the gospel of Jesus Christ into our worlds and embrace the idea of love, respect, value, and the ways of God and shine those on other people, we become a part of his kingdom. So as we go through revelation, think about this is a revealing of Jesus in his fullness, the risen Jesus. It is a revealing of power. And we have to, if we want to understand that, we have to understand something even bigger that is in Revelation. The creation that we live in today was created by God and is good. But the world is full of radical evil that has tried to mar that creation. There will be a restoration of that creation. There will be a new Eden. Do you want to live in the Garden of Eden? You can. Let's pray together. Lord, as we think about the great vision at the end of Revelation, the Revelation, this vision of beauty restored to its wholeness, to the earth, the new heaven and the new earth that are restored to the richness that you created and that only you created. And then we think of us, me, each of us, being beautiful, being so richly restored to the, to the thing that you want to the, with the gifts and the love that you place in each of us, and that will be pure and holy. For now, now we see it through a glass darkly, but then we are going to be known even as we know others.
So, Lord Jesus, we look forward to that day when that will happen in its fullness. But until that day, we will fight. We will join the Lamb of God in that battle. In Jesus' name, amen.